Ready for a new and exciting career challenge? At DHL Supply Chain, you're part of a team committed to creating innovative solutions for some of the biggest brands in the world. We're recognized as a best place to work, where people are valued, supported, and respected. DHL Supply Chain is hiring for a wide range of salaried operational and functional roles. Previous experience in logistics is welcome, but not required. All opportunities, no boundaries. DHL Supply Chain. Apply today at joindhl.com. Stay connected this winter with this unbeatable deal from BreezeLine. Get reliable, fiber-powered internet for just $19.99 per month with all-in pricing for two years. But that's not all. Your first month is on us. This deal gets better with a free modem and installation along with free Wi-Fi your way whole home coverage. Safeguard your network from cyber threats to keep all your devices connected and secured with this amazing offer. Act now. Terms and conditions apply. Offer expires March 3rd, 2024. Learn more at BreezeLine.com. what you want me to do, what I want to do in life. Well, my aspiration is to, uh, oh, I don't know, be in a t- teen film like that guy who played Horatio. You know, he was in Malibu Bikini Beach Shop. Well, other than that, uh, take over the world, world domination, you know, rule everything, rich, powerful, that sort of stuff. Welcome back to Fraudsters. I'm Cena Gazdami at Cena Now on all social media. Justin Williams is with us in the virtual studio at Justin underscore Williams underscore comedy. Justin, Ted Cruz is the subject today. But last night, Donald Trump announced that he was running again for president. What? What's that? Yeah. Like, what is happening? This is so nice. He had to do it thrice. Yeah. Um, what what does this remind you of when you hear Nothing. A, a, the <laughs> Buffalo Bills? It's like a, it's like the Buffalo Bills, except for like in the first Super Bowl, the other team had to maybe like forfeit in the fourth quarter or something, even yeah. though they were ahead. Like, but then they still lost the rest of the Super Bowls. Like, that's kind of what it it is. Like, I think it, this like, definitely sets up. I mean, I thought it was crazy when I heard that Democrats were funding Trump supporting uh, candidates, you know, in this midterm election. I was like, what what assholes? What are they doing? Like they need to be focusing on like policies and running a positive campaign. But apparently that strategy, I guess, kind of worked. And so now (laughs) I'm wondering if this will actually just blow up in the entire Republican Party's face again, which I have no problem with if it does happen. Yeah, I actually objected them funding the Trump kit because that could have actually, you know, putting a bunch of election deniers like could have actually been the end of democracy. Yeah, I I thought that was a high risk, super high risk (laughs) proposition. But funding Trump is much like actually lower risk because he's never actually won the popular vote. He's not going to get more popular the third time around. And, you know, Ron DeSantis, if if you actually watch Ron DeSantis, he has the look of a guy that could walk right into the White House. Yeah. Like he's everything. Ugh. He's he's po- he's polished. He's everything that Trump supporters kind of wish Trump could be. 
you know, he's like, you know, he's younger. He's actually polished. He knows how to imply what he's doing rather than outright saying it. He doesn't make a bunch of unforced errors. Right. But the thing about Trump, if you put him in a primary with Trump, Trump's just going to maul the guy in public and to where and he's going to make well, it to where his own supporters won't support him. What is he going to say about him, though? What the, the, he'll make up, it doesn't it doesn't matter. Like, that's what's so great about Trump. With Ted Cruz, he'll just be like, well, your dad murdered JFK <laughs> and your wife is ugly. Like, it, he doesn't like need anything. He'll just right. he'll come up with something. He'll come you know? up with something. He is a, a incredible improviser of hate. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it is. So troubling. Ron DeSantis seems like he is definitely the establishment candidate. Maybe he'll try to say that Ron DeSantis is low energy. Maybe he'll try to say that he plays too much with Biden. But I think it's pretty well established that the Trump base can't elect people. It's just not working anymore. Even Mitch McConnell came out and was just like the moderates and independents were frightened by all the chaos of these Trump backed candidates. (laughs) Well, yeah, it's that's the problem about basing an entire political power around the singular personality. It's like, oh. <laughs> yeah, it's like everybody's totally into Trump. Like, you know, Trump is not about other people. I mean, you saw those fundraising emails like you're trying to like donate to Tr- Herschel Walker, but 90 percent <laughs> of the money goes to Trump. <laughs> when are the people going to wake up that he's just been scamming them the whole time? time. I mean, I don't want this to sound like a Ron DeSantis commercial, but I mean, like burnt toast would be a better alternative than Donald Trump, you know, anything really. Yeah. And it's just, I mean, it's like on one hand, I'm concerned for democracy when you have a portion of the population that's very much on the kind of authoritarian ride, right? It's like even the Capitol riot happens and they, they're still like insisting this person be president, right? It's like the cap the the successful version of the Capitol right is like they capture like Mike Pence and like Nancy Pelosi and like kill them. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like then this all like if they if this if like that's what they were looking to do, right? So, and like people are like, oh, that's not enough for me to lose the vote. But on the other hand, it's kind of sweet watching all of these Republicans that made all of these deals. They they knew Trump was bad news from the beginning. It's, you know, it's kind of like what Lindsey Graham said in the beginning, right? If we elect Donald Trump as our nominee, right, we'll lose and we should we deserve every single bit of it, right? And, uh, but watching those chickens come home to roost now, where it's like, it now might, like, actually, it's going to, like, cost them the White House again unnecessarily, potentially. Yeah. and it could cost them, you know, the House, because the House is probably going to go with the Republicans now. As we sit here today, it seems like the Republicans will take the House and the Democrats have control of the Senate now. But I guess I'm wondering on a, you said, worried you about democracy Is it, I mean, God, it gives me pain to even say this. Shouldn't we have a more robust debate when it comes to the presidency? Like there should be a choice as opposed to who do I hate less? Isn't this bad that we're in this position as a country? I mean, sort of. I mean, the problem, I think, is, you know, there's money in politics is a huge problem. I think Trump kind of benefits from that. Like, uh, And even Obama actually benefited from that, that with both people, even though they're different, people felt like they were defying society's expectations and electing them president. So the worst thing that Hillary Clinton actually did was the inevitability thing. Was yeah. kind of playing into that because that that pushed a lot of people towards Trump. Actually, yeah, people um, really do vote vote change. Yeah, they're voting now to feel like they'll you know doing crazy votes to kind of feel like they were kind of in control 
You know what I mean? To feel like the system wasn't in control and Trump kind of sort of, you know, benefited from that the first time. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I think I think people have a lot of good candidates out there. I mean, you had good alternative candidates. You have the Libertarian Party, right? That picked up a lot of votes. You had you had Bernie Sanders running. So I don't know. I we'll think see. I think I think I think you're seeing a lot of new things. Uh, Andrew Yang the is trying to do this party. forward party. Look out. Which is, which is basically just like the moderate wing of the Republican Party. Yeah. You know what's funny? He was like, I can't wait to see a an F next to candidates' names in the next election. And I was like, F is the worst letter to have. It's just yeah. like <laughs> F it. Yeah. That, that would be my thing. F yeah. it. That would be my like campaign ad. No, they no, they um What's funny is like how the Green Party has made like negative traction since Ralph Nader ran for president in 2000. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's like super liberal people like just have no organization skills whatsoever, no goals. I don't no. think they've even increased like ballot access. <laughs> this is the problem with the liberal movements is that they, we just can't get their shit together. You know, goose stepping has its uh, perks, its upsides when you're all in lockstep. Well, yeah, and if you always define your position as always being like super far, my favorite thing was like watching, uh, like the Green Party try to carve out space for itself as the Democratic Party moved leftward on cultural issues. Right when it became like, like when like trans like rights become like part of the Democratic Party's sort of like basic platform, no matter where you're running, right? Like the Green Party then became like we're just like retweeting Russian propaganda to make ourselves stand out. Yeah, you gotta, uh, for, you gotta get those clicks. You gotta get those eyeballs on everything. And speaking of getting eyeballs, Ted Cruz is so good at getting eyeballs and ears, and, and he's been doing it <laughs> since he was a kid. He's been focused, and he's been on it, and he's been dedicated to becoming the evil genius that he is. It's strange. And I call him a genius because, listen, folks, you uh, IQ-wise, the guy is very smart. No one yeah. has ever said that Ted Cruz is dumb, right? That's actually the thing. The reason why I kind of dislike him is because he's he is a smart person that kind of pretends not to be smart. I know. Uh, jo- Josh Hawley is that as yep. well. Uh, that they're you know they're actually like some of the brightest people we have in society, but then they go out there and say things that no complicated thinking person can <laughs> offer as a legitimate argument. You know. And so we're talking about Ted Cruz today. We're going to have more from our interview with uh, the guys from Top Hat, Ben Kissel, Travis Irvine, and Fernando Perez Leon. And then later, we'll also have an interview with Professor Lawrence Lessig on the Supreme Court case that Ted Cruz for Senate brought to the court. And that has since allowed him to loan his campaign or anyone can loan their campaign basically an infinite amount of money. As much as you can take out, you can loan your campaign and then you could get it paid back. And there's a lot of amazing stuff that Lawrence Lessig was able to show us on how bad that actually is. But first, you know, like we always do, we try to like figure out who these people are. And again, uh, you know, this is why we try to avoid the political fraudsters because it's so frustrating to actually research these people. I... I bought his autobiography. I bought his biography. I'm sorry. I did it. I didn't know how to get it, Justin. I didn't know how to get it for free. No one's pirating this. There's no market for like a black market Ted Cruz biography. But I bought it. I bought the audio book. I bought it on Kindle. Uh, maybe. <laughs> so who, who did the voiceover for the audio book? Like Morgan Dude, Freeman? He did it himself. It oh, is yeah. awful. Um, 
And so we'll bring you some clips of that next time. Are you clipping your nose hairs right now? Don't, don't, don't watch you clipping your nose? Yo, that's put it on social. Edit. Edit this. Edit this what? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. All right, so let's start with a little Ted Cruz in the early years because, you know, again, Justin, this guy is smart and it's almost, I don't know, I don't think I know enough about psychology to know how to really, like, armchair uh, diagnose this guy. But here is something that he wrote in, um, uh, here's something he wrote in his yearbook back when he, in 1988 when he was uh, 17 years old. Upon graduation, Ted hopes to attend Princeton University and major in political science and economics. From there, he wants to attend law school, possibly Harvard, and achieve a successful law practice. All right, seems fair enough. But in his teens, and there was a great article from The Guardian that really broke down a lot of his, his youth here. In his early teens, Cruz was a member of this thing called the Constitutional Corroborators, part of a five-strong unit of high-achieving politically-minded students managed by Roland Story, a retired gas executive from Houston. Story ran an after-school program under the banner of a conservative think tank called the Free Enterprise Education Center. Now, today, that is called the Free Enterprise Institute. It was crucial in honing in Cruz's public speaking skills and economic views. So this guy's story taught these principles that were based on the 10 pillars of economic wisdom. And I was like, where did these come from? And they were apparently written in the 30s, but they were also highlighted in the World's Fair. So you remember the World's Fair? Maybe you weren't there, but it was this big yes. thing where everyone uh, from all over the world was supposed to come to Queens, New York, right? You go to Queens and you get to go have like Thai food in one kiosk or building, and you go see like the Futurama building, and then you can go to the like, they had like African area where it was like dudes drumming and stuff, and I was like, this is so absurd. Uh, I don't know why. Why did they stop doing it? It's just New York became the World's Fair. Actually, that they didn't need to have a fair anymore. It was just called Tuesday. Queens. Yeah, it's just called Queens Boulevard. You don't have to go. <laughs> you don't have to do anything. <laughs> yeah. But for those that don't know the World's Fair, here's a, here's a little promo that I found from the World's uh, Fair. Everyone is counting the days until the opening of the great New York World's Fair, an exposition symbolized by the unisphere that dominates Ooh, the world. It's a big globe. I was in Men in Black. While we may be counting the days, the workmen are counting the hours, for many buildings are yet to be completed. However, fair officials are confident that everything will be in readiness when the gates finally open to an expected 70 million visitors. Most craftsmen are working round the clock to complete the work on time. And the job is tremendous when you figure that there will be 196 exhibitors rolling out those red carpets. So strange. Uh, do you think any of these guys were unionized at this point? This is the 1964 one. Obviously, the World's Fair started in like the late 1800s and stuff like that. But yeah, by the time of 64 and 65, union labor is probably pretty dominant. Pretty dominant, imagine. right? So it's like yeah. they just showed a picture of just like this guy, like these guys, like standing around a bunch of wood, and so <laughs> <laughs> seventy dollars an hour in 1960s money. <laughs> 
Hey, the American middle class, baby. Yeah, this is what this is the prime time. Fifty-eight nations are to be represented, from the African nations to the Vatican, and they will have on display many priceless treasures. When have you ever of- heard that sentence? This the from the African nations to the Vatican. When is that? Well, well, the African nations is very funny because in 1964, all of them are like you know tops, like five years, four four or five years old. Oh right, okay. Yeah, most like most African countries became independent like 1960. <laughs> so they were fresh. They were yeah. fresh on this. Affair is peace through understanding, and its aim is the fostering of mutual and lasting respect and the furtherance of common interests and world peace. Each nation will reveal a corner of itself. For a moment, you can be in the Far oh East, God. and then a step away in Europe. The fair covers 646 acres and is on the same site as the 1939 World's Fair. It will run for six months this year, close for the winter, and reopen the following spring for six months more. When you come, fair to spend some time. There'll be plenty to see. Plenty. All right, that's the World's Fair. And one of these things at the World's Fair was this thing called the Hall of Free Enterprise. And I found um, the official guide from the World's Fair, and it has like a page in it that talks about the Hall of Free Enterprise. And this is from the 1964 um, guide. And it says, the principles and benefits of, quote, free competitive enterprise properly regulated, unhampered by unwarranted interference, end quote, are explained in a variety of ways in this one-story steel and concrete building sponsored by the American Economic Foundation. A theater in the round has a show on bread and butter issues. And uh, for those who can spend the time, there is, an, there, there is even an accredited graduate seminar in economics given in two-week sessions at the pavilion. It's really like it's, this, this like free, free market party or just like celebrating untethered capitalism. Yeah, it's yeah, it's this is very much right. You're in the middle of like the height of the Cold War here, right? So it's saying yeah. let's celebrate the world basically on the on the terms of sort of you're celebrating the capitalist world. I, I I'd be interested to see if there was any communist representation, right? Does the Soviet Union have a building? Oh, I don't. I think they. I think that didn't make the uh, final cut there. I don't think that. <laughs> <laughs> so here's an exhibit that's inside of inside of the Hall of Free Enterprise. It's called Money in Motion. <laughs> Jesus Christ, mm-hmm. here we go. In a three-dimensional animated wall panel, America's corporate economy comes to life. Ooh. Polarized light makes money appear to flow through transparent tubes to show how it channeled into purchases, payrolls, taxes, and profits until the books are balanced. Wow. I mean, that's kind of instructive. It's just money in tubes, and now we have crypto, which is money in digital tubes that's just flowing and just (laughs) disappearing. Well, and also I like the idea that the tubes are transparent because that is not – True. You, nobody knows where any of this stuff is coming from. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Here's this. They also had, the, especially if you work in like finance, you don't know where. Like, there's no transparent tube. No. 
It's no. just like one day, one day the FBI just raids the office, and you don't know why. It's, it's here. Okay, where's the money? Mm, difficult <laughs> to say. We have numbers that are on a spreadsheet on this digital device. So they also had this thing called the Tree of Economic Life. A symbolic revolving tree standing 12 feet high is designed to demonstrate the factors of economic growth, the natural resources that man taps, the jobs at which he works, the tools he uses, and the goods he produces and buys. And so the reason I bring all this up, so weird, um, is because there were listed in this place were these 10 pillars of economic wisdom. And that's kind of what this whole pavilion was based on. And I'll read some of them here. Um, number two, government is never a source of goods. Everything produced is produced by the people and everything that government gives to the people, it must first take from the people. So this is an interesting, Wait. yeah, yeah, yeah. React to this. No, but, let me. Yeah, re you want me to read it again? Yeah. yeah, let me read it again. No, no, no. I mean, I just it's just very funny. Like, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I'll, I'll read it again. You tell me what you think. Tell me what you think. Government is never a source of goods. Okay. Mm -hmm. Everything produced is produced by the people. Okay. And everything that government gives to the people, it must first take from the people. That's a, that, that strikes me as like kind of like a an array of like kind of logical fallacies kind of like strung together. It's like things that could be like true, but aren't necessarily true. But if you string them all together, it feels uh, very true to form an ide ideology. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, and there's a bunch of other ones that are strange here too. In our modern exchange economy, all payroll and employment come from customers. And the only worthwhile job security is customer security. If there are no customers, there can be no payroll and no jobs. Because wage, this is number six, because wages are the principal cost of everything, widespread wage increases without corresponding increases in productivity simply increases everyone's cost of living. So I mean, again, like there, <laughs> there are cases when, yeah, like, yes, it's like inflation is a thing. But yeah. it's, it's just funny because everybody who is writing these things and doing these things, they probably directly benefited from the New Deal, which actually contradicts like everything. All this stuff. It's like right? the, yeah. the government is not good, but the GI Bill totally paid for my dad's college education and gave a low interest loan on the uh, mortgage that our house that we used to like move out of the city into the suburbs, right? Uh, and then it's, you know, like, you know, all the government money that went to subsidize manufacturing and, you know, so, you know, it's kind of like, an, it, yeah, it's like very ideological and it's like things that sound kind of correct. Right. And they can be correct in certain contexts. But the 30 years of American history before this actually kind of like undercut like a lot of these arguments. Yeah. And Cruz in particular really liked the second pillar. Government is never a source of goods. Everything's produced is produced by the people and everything that government gives to the people. It must first take from the people. And with him and his little constitutional corroborators, they went around to Rotary Clubs and Chambers of Commerce in Houston and across Texas. They would put up easels and write summaries of the Constitution from memory. Okay, this was like their big bit, along with the definition of socialism. And then they wanted to make sure everyone was clear on the enemy. I mean, incredible. Yeah. And then in his 2015 autobiography, A Time for Truth, Cruz recalled 
that they gave half-hour presentations on the Constitution that ended with a patriotic poem called I Am an American. Now, Justin, I would love for you to deliver uh, a reading of this poem. Uh, And feel free to do it in whatever style you find appropriate. I'll read it in a very deep voice. I am an American. My father belongs to the sons of the revolution. Mm. My mother to colonial dames. (laughs) (laughs) One of my ancestors pitched tea overboard in the Boston Harbor. Another stood at his ground with Warren. Another one hungered with Washington at Valley Forge. My forefathers were America in the making. They spoke in her council halls. They died on her battlefields. They commanded her ships. They cleared her forests. Hear, hear. Dawns reddened and paled. Staunch hearts of mine beat fast at each new star in the nation's flag. Keen eyes of mine foresaw her greater glory. The sweep of her seas. The plenty of her plains. The main hives of her billion-wired cities. Every drop of blood in me holds a heritage of patriotism. I am proud of my past. Oh, are you? I am an American. I am an American. My father was an atom of dust. My mother was a straw in the wind. To her serene majesty... One of my ancestors died in the mines of Siberia. Another one was crippled for life by 20 blows of the nut. nut, nut. The nut. (laughs) Another one was killed defending his home during the massacres. The history of my ancestors is a trail of blood to the palace gate of the great white Tsar. But then the dream came, the dream of America. In the light of Liberty Torch, the atom of dust became a man. So imagine fucking young Ted Cruz going up there, putting up an easel, writing summaries of the Constitution up from memory and like basically writing out all the amendments and everything like that. And then they're like, the big closing is that poem. I mean, it's like, it's awful. Yeah, and it's it's a very interesting like whitewashing of American history. It's like, it's like, Sure, some people had parents that fought at Valley Forge, but when you're talking about by the time you get into the 1960s, it'd actually be like, my grandfather was a bum in Sicily. Uh, <laughs> my grandfather yeah. was the poorest dude in Cork, Ireland. My, uh, like, that, like you know, my, <laughs> my, my, my father, uh, you know, was a stonemason from like Krakow, Poland. Yeah. It's like the way it sort of turns everyone into an original white Anglo-Saxon is like super, super interesting. And it's just like, yeah, it's like an alternate history, you know? So Justin, like you can imagine this guy is not the coolest guy in school when he's going and taking his weekends to like write out the constitution and do these patriotic poems. And for Ted Cruz, he was like, why, why am I not so popular? Why don't people love, these are great bits. Why aren't people into this? And so number one, that poem is too damn long. So that's like part of it. Like, like even if you agree with it, you like, you know that it's kind of like too long. It's too, it's too damn long. And so from his autobiography, he says, Midway through junior high school, I decided that I'd had enough of being the unpopular nerd. I remember sitting up one night asking a friend why I wasn't one of the popular kids. I ended up staying up most of the night thinking about it. Okay, well, what is it that the popular kids do? I will consciously emulate that. 
He says that. He writes that in his book. I will consciously emulate that, what the popular kids are doing. Yeah. This this is a it's it's a sociopath, right? I don't know. Am I just saying that word randomly? Well, it's like a profile and kind of like not courage. Yeah. Right? It's like saying I didn't want to be myself. It's like I wanted to sort of you know, conform to a societal norm, which I you know, I think But conform <laughs> but also influence. Right? He's trying to man- manipulate the people around him and influence people and, and gain favor by being something that someone that he's totally not. Yeah. Yeah, it's a weird, you know, it's an odd, it's an odd thing. I, I would like, you know, I would like to psychoanalyze him on a different level too, because, you know, he has kind of an international roots in his like upbringing. I wonder how much of this is like taking the focus off of those things, I, you know. Well, in the next episode, actually, we're going to get into some of that, of his international roots as well uh, from his autobiography. And the, it does influence him to a certain degree, but it's also hilarious how he frames it in his autobiography. But what he did after this, though, was he embraced sports and replaced his glasses with contact lenses. His braces came off, and he saw a dermatologist who improved his acne. According to this book, he was also suspended from high school for several days for going to a party, drinking, and, drumroll please, smoking pot. Yeah, why couldn't he stay this guy? Yeah. That's what I'm saying. If he'd have stayed... Yeah, now he sounds like pretty good, actually. I'm going to (laughs) say... So, on another occasion, he wrote he was beaten up by drunk older kids at 2 a.m. and reprimanded (laughs) by the principal for a prank that involved covering a rival school's building in toilet paper and shaving cream, then fleeing in a 1978 Ford Fairmont with Wagner's ride of the Valkyries blaring out the car stereo. I mean, that's a little on the nose, but, you know, I, I don't hate it. I mean... I wonder why he got beat up at 2 a.m. Uh, I'm and sure it wasn't also, anything uh, he said. Yeah, the right of the Valkyries, too. It's like 70. Is this like, was he cool enough to have seen Apocalypse Now was out by then, right? Apocalypse I Now think was like, so. what, 77? He, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's definitely the the joke here. So, okay. So he's smoking weed. He's pulling pranks. He's cool enough to see Apocalypse Now and it's out in theaters. I, I'm going to say I don't, I don't. I don't necessarily hate this guy, although he sounds like kind of a bro but, a little bit, though. But it's all fake. This is yeah. what, this is my problem. He's doing this all very consciously because he knows that's what popular kids are supposed to do. Like, I don't understand. That takes so much energy. That's the thing with these fraudsters, man. They have so much energy to influence and create a different reality for themselves. Yeah, I think when it's so transparent, I think that's what's sort of the interesting thing because enough people do buy into the the, the delusion. Uh, maybe yeah. the cool kid beat him up because he was like a maybe he's like a the Fonzie cool guy, and he's like, "You poser, yeah, you don't belong out here with us leather jackets." Exactly, you know, be I, yourself, be your true self. Boop, 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 boop. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to go to the Top Hat interview with Ben Kissel, Travis Irvine, and Fernando Perez. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease and a whole lot of love, you transform 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. LED headlights, spoilers, whatever you need. eBay Motors has it at affordable prices. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride. Every time. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. 
For 25 years, Mike's has been making lemonade the hard way. Mike's Hard Lemonade. Hard days deserve a hard lemonade. Mike's is hard. So is prison. Don't drive drunk. Premium all beverage with flavors. All registered trademarks used under license by Mike's Hard Lemonade Company, Chicago, Illinois. Emmy Award-winning John Mulaney presents Everybody's in L.A., a special run of six live episodes created by and starring Mulaney that'll stream live on Netflix during the Netflix is a Joke Fest. The comically unconventional show will feature special guests where John Mulaney explores the city of Los Angeles during a week when every funny person is in it. Watch John Mulaney Presents Everybody's in L.A., debuting May 3rd live at 7 p.m. Pacific Time, only on Netflix. If a friend asks how you're doing and you say, I'm okay. When the truth is, I don't want my problems to burden anyone. Or you say, Hang it in there. Because... If I ask for help, they'll just think I'm weak. Then this is your sign to call, text, or chat. 988 for free, confidential support. Anytime. You don't have to hide how you feel. Prez Leon. Ted Cruz, a man who has never been, never heard a jeer he didn't love. He's a cuck. (laughs) He can't get enough of it. So (laughs) many times. Uh, You know, Trump had the General Election Defense Fund. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you heard about that. He pillaged from all these small donors, and now the DOJ is investigating him. Ted Cruz has used his dark abilities uh, into the Supreme Court to get a test case there, where he's now able to take out as many loans as he wants and fund any campaign, and that anyone well, can do that now. Yeah, well, so we'll get well, into that a little bit later. That's not going to lead to horrible, horrible things. I know, right? <laughs> and so I wanted to talk to you guys about, like, the context of these two guys, who they yeah. were before, since you guys are the political experts on the on the network here. Well, also, when it comes to political fraudsters, what's going on right now with Michael Flynn? We covered it on this week's Top Hat, uh, the second episode of this week. There is a group, it's called One More Mission, and it's funded by Michael Flynn. Michael Flynn, the former national security advisor for Donald Trump, worked in Iraq for 20 years. Basically, they're funding and financing poll watchers who show up at the polls. They have Kevlar vests, they have handguns, and they're trying to intimidate people from exercising their constitutional Mm. right to vote. So it's deeper than even just these guys, the the tentacles of the Trump ideology, of course, combined with the abilities of Ted Cruz, a legal scholar. He's as smart as he is an asshole because he knows exactly what he's doing. And it's just unbelievable as these people try to uproot our democratic process for their own gain. I was going to ask you this. I feel like we had this debate during the 2016 uh, election. Which one? We had a lot of debates. (laughs) Who would have been worse? Who would have been worse? At least we argued then. Trump or Cruz as president? Well, Ted Cruz is mm. a little bit more able, I think, to uh, right? finesse the political ways of Washington in the political right. ways of Washington. But I don't freaking know, because I do think at some point he was at least somewhat tethered to the Constitution. Yeah. At least yeah. in theory. He went yeah, to Harvard. He has an Ivy League degree. He's one of those Ivy League elitists. Um, and his uh, Ted Cruz's wife, of course, who Trump called very ugly. Mm-hmm. And yeah. and Ted Cruz was like, "Okay, you still have my endorsement." <laughs> um, that's how you know. That's how you know he's a grifter. 
you you call a yeah. man's wife ugly and he just looks the other way. My God. Um, but, you know, Ted Cruz, I mean, his wife worked for uh, uh, Goldman Sachs. And so they're about as elite as they come. And I'd say Trump just shattered every dream they had. The one thing yeah. I guess, Ted, maybe not as bad in the sense I don't think people would have been as radical. I don't think he would have gotten the same yeah. passion that Donald Trump was able to get by throwing so much red meat at those carnivore-loving folks. Uh, so I, I, I guess maybe it would have been uh, slightly more understated, but I also think more uh, it would have been more uh, practically – he would have solidified – his worldview more practically than Trump did. I mean, although Trump did obviously get mm. four Supreme or three Supreme Court justices and then judges all down the line. Well, yeah, that's a good seemed, point. That's a good point. I feel Ted Cruz would have lost to Hillary Clinton. I don't think he would have even won. Oh, uh, yeah, probably well, not. Yeah, who knows about that? I mean, Cruz, but I think Cruz, yeah, if yeah, Cruz. Cruz, Cruz would ahead, have passed Justin. things. Yeah, he would have passed things through Congress. But if he lost, he would have accepted defeat. And even if he lost and didn't accept defeat, if Ted Cruz is like, we need to storm the Capitol building, nobody's <laughs> yeah. showing up for that. <laughs> not <laughs> right, one right. person. Not Maybe even Ted would... Nugent. Ted Nugent wouldn't even go. I'd be like, you're on your own here, Ted. <laughs> no, there, there's a there's a desire to bully Ted Cruz that you don't quite get from Trump. It's a little bit different. You want to beat up Trump. But you want to kick his ass. But you want to bully Ted Cruz. Wait, wait. Uh, much me... like the Yankee fans did this uh, recently when they were playing the Houston <laughs> Astros, calling him an asshole, a racist. And you could see Cruz. He felt like he was getting complimented. Yeah, he yes. loved it. He, he was smiling it. like David Berkowitz when he got arrested. Right. I have to play this clip of Lindsey Graham of all people talking about Ted Cruz. I think you probably guys know the clip. Well, Ted Cruz notoriously hated, as a matter of fact, one of the, when it comes to Republicans, he was one of the not horrible ones, the old John Boehner himself. John Boehner, obviously right. policy, we can have some yeah. disagreements, but at least the dude's a human being. He wrote a book, and it's half of it is just calling Ted Cruz an asshole. And he yeah. drank wine while he recorded the audiobook. And yes. the glee in his voice when he's reading the audiobook and openly criticizing Ted Cruz Everyone hates that man. Everyone, Everyone. hates. So yeah. here's, so here's. I don't think Ted Cruz can even register what feeling loved is. Here's, right, here's right. Lindsey Graham on Ted Cruz. If you killed Ted Cruz on the floor of the Senate, and the trial was in the Senate, nobody could convict you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. that's, see, now there's Lindsey. He's crushing it there. Can't yeah. help but laugh at Lindsey Graham doing that bit. I mean, everybody, enemy of my enemy. Right. right. I mean, that's what John Boehner also said, that Lindsey Graham is one of the funniest people he's ever met. Yeah. And I believe he said it in that book as well. I mean, Lindsey Graham, there's another senator who um, has a great story about, I mean, so many senators, that's how you know you're bad when your coworkers, aka other senators, hate you. But Al Franken had a story about uh, just how much all the other senators uh, hated Ted Cruz. He was like, I like Ted Cruz more than most of the other senators in the Senate, and I fucking hate Ted Cruz. <laughs> <laughs> but I guess the question is why. Yeah. I think, yeah. you know, you know why? I think he's, he was the kid in the front of the class. Always. Mm -hmm. Raising his hand. I mm -hmm. went to law school. I know what these law school elitist kids are like Absolutely. in the front of the classroom. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And he's raising his hand. He's got a question for everything and an answer for everything. Mm -hmm. Everyone hated him. There. I don't think it was law school that really set him apart. I think he did it in middle school. <laughs> we all had that one kid growing up. For me, it was this guy. His first name was uh, was uh, Chris. Yeah. And uh, Mike, he would hit all the political buttons. He was a political nerd. <laughs> we were like seven years old. I was like, what are you doing? Why do you care right now? Right. What's Batman up to? He was just always that. 
And that's why, again, he's been bullied for so long. He doesn't even understand how much people hate him. It's just normal. He normalized it. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. we're normalizing the complete and utter destruction of our democratic process. I mean, mm. everyone hates Ted Cruz. I mean, not, while we're on the topic, why don't we just go? I have these other clips of people hating Ted Cruz. Is that okay? Can I play That's these? That's fine. Other yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, why not? While I mean, we're here, I right? will say John McCain would be rolling over in his grave, being uh, given what Lindsey Graham has done to his legacy. But of course, John McCain yeah. can't roll over. Yeah. Right? <laughs> <laughs> hey, boom! Got I got that Vietnam vet who spent five years in a prison. <laughs> This is Peter King, the congressman for, oh, like, from New York. New York. New York. Oh, right. my God. I haven't heard his name in forever. Yeah, he's kind of funny. <laughs> he's my favorite. He's like, I'm absolutely against terrorism in all cases, unless it's the IRA. <laughs> Absolutely. Peter King, for those that don't know, if you've seen Tommy Boy, he looks like Dan Aykroyd's character. He looks like he runs an, um, a tire company and screws over his workers and punctures tires, puncture, puts holes in his own tires so he can sell double. <laughs> All of it at his uh, feet because he's the one who started this. Now, having said that, there was about 35 or 40 House Republicans who went along with them. But I can tell you from the beginning, Speaker Boehner and Majority Leader Cantor both said we should not take this route, that it was going to be disastrous. Mm. Sure enough, it has been. Uh, we allowed 35 or 40 people basically to threaten to bring the house down. And as a result of that, we're in this position. But Ted Cruz is one behind it. And I said from the start he was a fraud because <laughs> this, this strategy never had a chance of working. He knew it wasn't going to work. But he was able to intimidate and influence people uh, to go along with him, saying that if we, if the House voted to uh, defund Obamacare and shut the government down, he would take care of it when it got to the Senate. He had no chance of ever doing that. He knew it. This was just a stunt by him. And as a result of that, the country is on the verge of default and the government is shut down. Yeah. You know, that's, again, when we just, Peter King, by the way, sounds like a talking Newport. I, <laughs> when it comes to why... The why of hating Ted Cruz, it's because people hate when they're the political ping pong in the political game. Yeah. And that's exactly what they've been doing for so long in this goddamn country where these politicians have been dividing, cracking and fracking us for their own political gain. And people are fucking pissed off about it. That's why when he goes to Yankee Stadium, he just doesn't get to have a hot dog and chill out like everybody else. And it's not like you can you can be a politician and go to a game like it's not normal. We also shouldn't be like, every politician gets jeered and booed at games. O.J. Simpson is currently going to Buffalo Bills games, and they refer to him as former Buffalo Bills running back. You can be a scumbag in this country (laughs) and still be able to attend sporting events. He is hated because people realize what what he's doing to them for his own political prowess. And it's it's so transparent and it's disgusting. Is it only Texas that likes him? Like, he can't. I don't even think they like him. I don't think they like him. His hatred of Democrats is why he's, it's like they hate Democrats more than they hate him. Nobody in the Republican Party likes him. We also, his middle name should be Schottenfreud. I'm not sure if it's Spanish, so I don't think it'll fit. But (laughs) uh, the problem is people don't like to see anybody else happy. Yeah. And they're like, I'm miserable. If I'm miserable, then you better be fucking miserable. That's why people were upset with folks getting a small amount of uh, of money during the pandemic. It's socialism. I'm, I'm broke. Why can't you be broke? It's this disgusting race to the bottom where if everyone's suffering, I feel slightly better because I'm suffering. And I think also there's the, this idea that because of people like Ted Cruz using the political process like a chess game or checkers or however way you want to describe Whatever. it, that it kind of Scatagories. devalues the yeah. institutions and it <laughs> takes out all the confidence away. And then it allows someone like Donald Trump to come in right. and run run havoc through everything. And that's yeah. how you get that. No, I like that Peter King clip because it did emphasize, and that's why John Boehner 
fucking hates Ted Cruz as well is because Cruz went in with this whole fraudulent idea of holding Obamacare hostage by shutting down the government. That's also why, again, another fellow senator, you guys may remember this rant from Democrat Colorado Senator Michael Bennett, who said he was sick of the crocodile tears, uh, quote unquote, uh, coming from Ted Cruz, because when the government did briefly shut down over that Mm. fight over Obamacare, there was a flood in Colorado and people in uh, Michael Bennett's district in his state uh, actually died because the resources that were usually available from the federal government were not available because the government was shut down. So it just goes all the way across. And again, that's to your point and why the show's called Fraudsters, Ted Cruz is a fraud and everyone in the Senate chamber knows it. Mm-hmm. What's kind of crazy People is Bush that hated Ted- him back in Texas. Yeah. Uh, the, the younger yeah. one, right? Because he worked for his dad. And I think that's one yeah. of the reasons why he doesn't like, uh, he didn't like him at all. Mm-hmm. Wow. He's been hated. He's been hated like since. Yeah. To know him is to hate him. I can't think of anyone that likes him. I'm not even sure if his wife does after, again, he didn't defend her. And we know for a fact <laughs> his children despise him and look at him like he's some sort of alien form of a father. I'm just, everyone in his orbit seems to be miserable. And then the macro of that, everyone in Texas is miserable. I mean, when the storms happened, they did nothing to combat what happened with, uh, what was it, Escott? Um, I forget the name of the power company out there that totally fucked over everybody. In the middle of that, he goes off to a goddamn vacation in the Bahamas or some shit. Cancun. Cancun, yeah. I've had this trip scheduled for months, okay? I've had it scheduled for months. And then he blamed it on his kids. Exactly. Blamed it on his the kids gotta go. The kids gotta go. So it's just disgusting. And again, you do wonder when it comes to we we at best we have a binary system. Oh yeah. But in a place like you know Texas or a place like New York City or New York State, which can be a little bit more purple, but tends to lean pretty far Democrat, it just gives us no options at all. And so Ted Cruz, what's the political ramifications for him for all this? He could do anything. Nothing. He, he can, can do anything. He could say anything anti-Semitic, and Adidas can't drop him. I don't think they want <laughs> is that him in the not first correct? place. Is that wrong? Is that? No, is that you are correct. It's not Adidas. anti-Semitic if it's a policy position. <laughs> oh, very good. It is, a, it is constitutional policy. Right. Oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> oh, it's a weird world we live in. Yeah. Uh, so I, let's talk about Let's just keep following this Ted Cruz thing because it's funny that Ted Cruz has ignited more anger in us than, than Donald Trump, which I Well, they both is, ignite a lot of anger. Ted Cruz, again, it's just... Uh, there is no coalition that he has coalesced or that's coalesced around him that even gives him a buffer of being seen as a competent leader. What do you think? At least Trump has some, well, he has some diehard fans. Right. What do you think? Yeah, who are the diehard Ted Cruz fans? That's what I want to know. I would never want to meet that incel. I can't even imagine. There has to be one, right? There's got to be. There's got to be one person that sends him letters. Like, there has to be some. I'm, I'm, I'm going to say Sean Hannity. Sean Hannity is probably the biggest Ted Cruz fan because he has him on his show almost every night. Yep. And it's the only course, one I can think of. Speaking of fraudsters, Hannity is one of the reasons why we're where we are now as well. Great radio mm. personality in some ways, which is so sad because, again, he's another person highly educated. He knows exactly what he's doing. Uh, there's no reason. There, there's no. Um, it's not. It's not an accident that they make a lot of money off of fraud products, specifically Alex Jones, who's another fraudster that I know you guys have covered. But again, someone who supports tangentially Ted Cruz because he loves Donald Trump. As soon as the nine hundred and fifty plus million dollar lawsuit came out, he had a sale. Yeah, on all folks, we got Infowars tactical bath fifty percent off. I'm fucked, folks. <laughs> and it's just, it's just devastating to see. He's going to be used as an ATM for a very long time. <laughs> uh, young Ted Cruz, 
I don't know if you guys oh, ever God, saw I don't this. Want to see this. Oh, I remember this. So we were talking about, you know, he yeah. started in middle school and stuff like that. This is what really got me onto Ted Cruz as being a monster. Your aspiration. Aspiration. Is that like sweat on my butt? No, no. Oh, I see. What you want me to do, what I want to do in life. Well, my aspiration is to, uh, oh, I don't know, being a t- teen film like that guy who played Horatio. You know, he was in Malibu Bikini Beach Shop. Well, other than that, uh, take over the world. World domination, you know, rule everything. Rich, powerful, that sort of stuff. It's crazy thing Ted's going to rule the world one day. I hope <laughs> That's Ted Cruz's father. Uh, okay. He just got done killing Kennedy killing and he Jade, said yeah, that. Absolutely. Oh my wow. gosh. Well, he definitely has never gained his sense of humor. Uh, yeah. Aspirations. Isn't that when I sweat on my ass? I mean, I like the idea that if he would have just stayed in stag films, uh, you can also have kind of world domination in, in, in that way as well, I suppose. But as we said, you're dominating something. He, yeah. If More he was in stag f- films, holy hell, there would be a lot of gaping and it would all be coming from him because My that gosh. man loves to have his um he loves to have his uh Roy Cohn sexual fantasies come to life I'm sure. How do you My think, gosh. How do you think it, a guy like Ted Cruz is going to age? Horrid. He's, he's not, not he's poorly. aged. He's done. Is isn't he cooked? He is yeah. cooked. I yeah, mean, this he's is definitely the, he's this got the the covid weight is on there. He's got this weird chin strap beard, but I mean, emotionally, yes. culturally, how is this man aging? Oh, I like well, a not, fucking well, I dumpy mean, Wolverine. Yeah, this yeah. is yeah, <laughs> this is the final form of Ted Cruz. He grew that beard because everyone made fun of his weird, silly, putty chin in 2016. Yeah. Yeah. It was just out there. It was just hanging on there. Um, I'm also glad you brought back that clip because I didn't realize he loves using the word ass in his jokes because that's his new joke that he goes around telling all the CPACs and the cuck crowds is, uh, my name's Ted Cruz and my pronouns are kiss my ass. Kiss my wow. ass. There we go. That's very Fuck. funny. Fuck you. Yeah. so bad. Yeah, he should have stayed with the stag film yeah. idea because I think he could have had that happen in real life. Well, I like the setup. I like the writing of that joke. There's a, you know, there's a lot. It's a, it's observational. Oh, it's a genius. It's a, you know what? It's a current event n- bit. There's no fat in that joke. No. It's a slim right. joke. It's a slim lean joke. joke. He could be, you know, he could be a comedian. I'm I'm, I'm ready for it. Him He's and really Lindsey Graham need to hit the road. Yeah. The only good comedian that ever held office was Al Franken, and he got perped, walked out of there, which, again, is why the Republican Party seems to hold together, even though everyone fucking hates Ted Cruz. One of the things they still do is give him money. Yeah, it's incredible. Mm-hmm. And speaking of money, I'm going to explain this. I'd love to just talk about this little Supreme Court case, because that's why we're here talking about Ted Cruz. Ted Cruz did break the law, but there was this law the Bipartisan Campaign Reform Act, that said, basically, if you raise money during a campaign and you want to get paid back for it, right, or if you give your campaign a loan and you want to get paid back for it, you have 20 days to do it with post-election funds after the election is over. Oh, my God. Okay, right? That makes sense. You can't give your campaign a loan the day before and then take two years to pay yourself back with all kinds of money, whether you won or lost, right? And let's just take the idea that if you win, if you win, all of a sudden, this half a million dollar loan that you took out, all of a sudden is leverage that people can have on you, right? So the problem that came into play here is that Congress, in their genius, Mm. they said, okay, $250,000 is the limit because they they thought- 
all right, 250K, if some guy wants to run for office mm-hmm. against a deep pocket, they can take a loan out of 250K, and hopefully that will equal the playing field, which is the dumbest, yeah. the lowest, silliest amount of money. There's <laughs> no problem. And what did Ted Cruz, what was he able to do over the last years here? Ted Cruz has been able to access funds from Goldman Sachs uh, and other financial institutions and draw on credit lines. Hmm. So he has a sweetheart deal with Goldman Sachs. They give him $450,000 or another uh, institution could give him another $200,000. He could do a personal loan of another $200,000. All this money he wants to get paid back because he could just loan it to his campaign. Right. But don't we? I think we all see the inherent corruption here mm-hmm. that can possibly happen. Well, that's why, again, you know, there's a reason these bills are written and created by the corporations like Goldman Sachs. Um, and then they just get signed. They and then, get signed by these people, and sometimes they're dumb enough and they still have their lettering on it. And you know what? <laughs> Ted Cruz uh, was the Texas Solicitor General, so he argued nine Supreme Court cases. So oh. he's been up at the Supreme Court multiple times. And so he made a test case. So he said, I'm going to do $260,000 as a loan, and I'm going to get paid back $250,000, and then I'm going to sue and say the $10,000 that I'm not allowed to recover from post-election funds Hmm. is an injury to me. People doing the people's business because that's that's a kitchen table issue for all families (laughs) affected by the economic crisis and a whole series of different issues. I'm just so happy he's really taking on because I remember people are always talking about that. Yeah, let me say the people of yeah. Iran appreciate Absolutely. your fight for human rights. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think that, but that touches on like why people don't like Ted Cruz. It's the fact that he's an intelligent guy pretending to be a stupid culture warrior. Yeah. In right. the way that Donald Trump is authentic. Donald Trump's never read anything and he's never going to read anything. And yeah. like he's not trying to pretend he's read anything. You know, that's where Ted Cruz is like, I'm just like you get working class people who hates the transgenders. Am I right? <laughs> right. Yeah. Right, right, right. Yeah. Also, let's make sure we clip Justin saying Donald Trump is authentic. And so there you oh, go. Okay, there right, you go. Put it on TikTok. Yeah. Well, I just I just realized even right there, I mean, I I don't know if we've uh, mentioned it or uh, we forgot, but the, his name alone is a fraud. He's Theodore Eduardo Cruz, and he no. goes by Ted, or or maybe it's the other way around, Eduardo Theodore, whatever it is. Ted's not his real name. And he, he was born in Canada. Like sound more Texan. And he was born in Canada. Yeah. And his dad killed JFK. Well, I mean, we're just <laughs> <laughs> the amount of evidence gets higher and higher against Ted Cruz here. Why was he born in Canada? Because his dad was fleeing the CIA. Come on, <laughs> right. people. Put two and two together. But that's the thing, you know, with this lawsuit that he's making regarding his campaign funds, it's tying up the courts, too. We have real issues going on in this country. I guess we have massive systemic uh, policing. We have the the weaponization of our police forces across this country, where now they're an extension of the tax, where many of these municipalities make cash hand over foot with citations. You know for a fact it used to be a joke growing up. It's the end of the month. Be careful. Don't speed. Exactly. Dad always warned me. End of the month. They got to make it. And it's like, oh, that was kind of funny and cute. But now they have, now they have, you know, uh, RAV4, whatever the fuck these goddamn, uh, the the Rams or whatever the hell they're called. What do you mean? The big old weapons of military weapons, the big old tanks. I'm blanking on what these police forces have. Have, oh, um, they got battering rams and all this hummers shit. and stuff so like that? So it's no yeah. longer this cute mm-hmm. idea that the bills are due because it was never supposed to be that way for the police officers to be, again, 
how you fund your municipalities. So the courts, we have so many fucking issues in this country, as I was just talking about with what's going on right now with the election deniers and uh, the election fraud that's occurring all over this country with uh, voter intimidation. And this asshole is tying up our courts because he wants to prove some dumb fucking point and he needs more money for his shitty political uh, career. And guys, he won. Yeah, he, he keeps on fucking one in the Supreme Court. So this opens up and Justice Kagan. God, this court sucks. We'll try to play some clips later of Justice Kagan, though, uh, off offline. But fucking Ted Cruz got the Supreme Court to side with him. Now, I any can't... deep pocket. So here's the other thing. they The, the Supreme Court, their, their infinite intelligence on the conservative side said this is helpful for the little guy. That's going to mm. try to battle the deep pocket politician. Shell just made nine over nine billion this quarter. Can't we do something? Isn't this, the Supreme Court has other things to worry about? It is unreal. The fact that they don't understand that a rich guy can take out a bigger loan than anyone. Now there's no limit. There's no twenty day. It's all. Whatever they want to this do. This reminds me when they were saying that, in fairness, Clear Channel should be allowed to take over every single radio station in yeah. the country. Because, wait, why do we have all these walls up? It's about economic fairness. And this is why we're in such a corrupt capitalist phase in this capitalist society. It's it's disgusting. So Ted Cruz, a huge, huge fraudster. Justin? Oh, I didn't have anything to contribute. Oh, to sorry. That, but, I, but everybody, everything, everybody's uh, right on though. It's all a scary time. It's all about bringing more money into the system. And I like, yeah, the idea that like the little guy is gonna be able to like get like big lines of credit from Goldman Sachs. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It's so crazy to me, and it's like it. You know, just what you thought. Surely there can't be another way for them to get an infinite amount of money into politics. Then they just created literal act fake money, imaginary money. Right. You could just bring it into your campaign. Uh, Ted Cruz, he must have worn, he must have been wearing his uh, debate boots when uh, he gave <laughs> that uh, speech. He has his debate boots that he wears. Right. Guys, sure. thank you so much. Uh, what what are your parting thoughts for the fraudsters fans out there? Well, on these two? I'm thankful for Oof. what you guys do. Thank you for being part of the last podcast network. Hell yeah, brother! And uh, yeah, thanks for supporting Able Against Top Hat as well. You did such a great job, Cena, talking about what's going on in Iran. And yeah, I think it's fantastic to. To let people help people realize that these people out there are grifting, trying to take advantage of them, because it just seems more constant than ever before. Yep. Back in the day, you got a couple of mailers, you got a couple of robocalls, and now we're just so inundated with fraud constantly, and it makes our the fabric of our country. No one trusts anybody. We're again, neighbors are against neighbors. We have a arms race in every, in every sub, uh, suburb across this country. And we live in this schadenfreude world where someone might be suffering, but the idea that someone next to them isn't suffering would make them more upset. So they prefer if everyone's suffering. And uh, that's when you have this really dark vision of America that Donald Trump helped create. So I uh, just, you know, we got to stay positive, stay off of social media for the most part. And uh, yeah, can't let these grifters win. Understand what they're doing. Hell yeah. Because it's very trend. They tell you. They tell us they what they do. They tell on themselves all the time. All the time. But it is, I, and I'll just, I'll add to Ben's point. Uh, there's so many people who are duped, who are tricked by it. And so obviously I don't know how many Trump supporters we have actually listening, but we probably have listeners who have family members who are conservative. People who, who are talking have family the, members who voted for Trump. Yeah. Like me. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Amen. Me too. Yeah. Yeah. So, exactly. Yeah. So, so just 
remind those family members, you know, that they are getting conned. They are getting grifted. Whatever points they like to shout out about the border or inflation or whatever Joe Biden's doing, just bring it back to the fact that you are getting grifted. How much money have you given Trump, you know, and, and how many, how much money have you donated to Steve Bannon's wall? They're all getting duped. They're all getting grifted. And so I think that's something you can do. You can, you can cut off the spigot of funds to some of these grifters and you start by the people you love and uh, trying to stop them from giving them all their money. And I will just add one final point after the, doing this whole episode and seeing everything that Trump's done over the decades and decades. I still yeah. hate yeah. Yeah. I mean, Talk about I, it. I'm huh? kind of with you on that. All right, guys. NetCredit is here to say yes to a personal loan or line of credit when other lenders say no. Apply in minutes and get a decision as soon as the same day. Loans offered by NetCredit or Lending Partner Banks and serviced by NetCredit. Application subject to review and approval. Learn more at netcredit.com slash partner. NetCredit. Credit to the people. At Amica Insurance, we know it's more than a life policy. It's about the promise and the responsibility that comes with being a new parent. Being there day and night and building a plan for tomorrow, today. For the ones you'll always look out for, trust Amica Life Insurance. Amica. Empathy is our best policy. Emmy Award winning John Mulaney presents Everybody's in LA, a special run of six live episodes created by and starring Mulaney that'll stream live on Netflix during the Netflix is a Joke Fest. The comically unconventional show will feature special guests where John Mulaney explores the city of Los Angeles during a week when every funny person is in it. Watch John Mulaney Presents Everybody's in L.A., debuting May 3rd live at 7 p.m. Pacific Time, only on Netflix. Looking for a new show to dive into? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new, because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like the full season of FX's epic limited series Shogun, FX's new international spy thriller The Veil, starring Emmy and Golden Globe winner Elizabeth Moss. And don't miss the all-new crime series Under the Bridge, inspired by shocking true events and starring Riley Keough and Lily Gladstone. It's all new, and it's streaming now on Hulu. Thank you so much. Welcome back, Justin. You know, I wanted to talk about it's not all bad things. He hasn't done all bad things. We talked earlier about how he was like semi-cool doing pranks when he was in high school. But I found some stuff around friends that have talked about him. And believe it or not, Justin, one of his friends said that he saved his life, that Ted Cruz saved his life. <laughs> Zachary Emmanuel credited Cruz with saving his life after a vacation incident in where? Cancun, Mexico. Mm. This is where the Cruz family had a timeshare. Emmanuel, I don't know if I'm pronouncing his, uh, his name right, but recalled by email that he became strangely dizzy after drinking a rum and coke at a bar and suspect his drink was spiked by thieves who wanted to steal his gold jewelry. He says, quote, I had... I had made it to the condo property, but I became so dizzy that I was lying right next to the pool, chest down with one arm in the water. I could have easily moved to the side and fallen and drowned in the pool. Ted was shorter and thinner than me, but he ran over to me, lifted me, placed me in one of those reclining chairs next to the pool. 
I remember hearing Ted scooping water with his hands from the pool and splashing it on my face. I also remember Ted repeatedly wanting to call a doctor, but I kept telling him, no, no, I'm better now. Ted told me something like, okay, Zachary, but I'm not leaving your side until you're absolutely sure that you're okay. Ted never left my side. Ted stayed with me outside in the pool area until the sun came up and I started feeling much better. You could say that Ted Cruz saved my life. <laughs> <laughs> I like to I view it as Ted Cruz didn't let a man die <laughs> in front of him. He didn't step <laughs> over a man who was about to die that he was friends with. Hey, man, listen, we all need a bro there for us. You know, it's like, I'm not leaving your side, man, when you get when you get slipped to Mickey. I, you know, as I say, I can't hate Ted on, the, on this on this part of it. And right. he, he's like, hey, man, I'm not leaving you. <laughs> <laughs> this is like Apocalypse Now. Yeah. We're in this together, buddy. Um, Don't you die on me. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know if you remember this, but <laughs> someone, uh, this guy Craig Mason was, was Ted Cruz's roommate in college. And I wanted to read a bunch of the like the tweet storm that this guy did when Ted Cruz was running for office. He just came out and was just like, this guy's awful. But what I found was this YouTube channel called the Space Vikings. And what they did is they went and got Ted Cruz supporters to read the tweets from Craig Mazin. And we were talking about like who who are his supporters? And it was incredible to see who are Ted Cruz's supporters. So here are here's a video of them reading the tweets from Ted Cruz's old roommate. So good. Uh, this one right here. My freshman year, college roommate Ted Cruz is going to be elected senator. In case I hadn't made it clear, he's also huge a, asshole. Oh boy, that's not. Boy, yes, you know? yeah. Oh boy, that's something. As a freshman, I would get into senior parties because. I was a Ted Cruz roommate. Out of pity, he was widely. <laughs> he read this so terribly. <laughs> As a freshman, I would get into senior parties because I was Ted Ted's roommate. Out of pity, all caps. He was widely loathed. Yeah, it's it's, it's his the super. Superpower. It's his superpower. Second memory, Ted would talk about the women he thought he had a shot with. What? <laughs> this is terrible. Pretty sure. He remained untouched by a woman for those four years. Getting emails blaming me for not smothering Ted Cruz <laughs> in his sleep in 1988. What kind of monster do you think I am? I really... Prescient one. Present one. What are you... How, what is your opinion on that? <laughs> I don't understand what this is here. Oh, uh, I see what it is. Well, whoever's getting he's getting the emails from, clearly they got issues. It seems like Cruz is a good enough fellow that his rooms, roommate wouldn't <laughs> smother him in his sleep. His Ted <laughs> he understood. He's like, wow, these people are, are really mean. Looks like uh, he's such a good guy that his roommate didn't want to kill him in the middle of the night. Amazing. Yeah. He, yeah, he just, he Fox News translated that whole tweet. It was amazing. He's like, how can I put this into the most favorable terms to Ted Cruz? All right, here's another one. Ted Cruz thinks people don't have a right to stimulate their... Genitals. What? 
So what's this for? Ted Cruz thinks people don't have a right to gener- stimulate their genitals. I was his college roommate. That would be a new oh. b- belief of his. What's your opinion on that? Well, everybody has a right their own. I mean, I personally have. Uh, I'm married, been married with, with my own husband for 13 years. I don't. I don't think Mr. Cruz is the sort of guy that would go into the bedrooms of, of people who are married or unmarried and and restrict their um, their, their their private <laughs> um, stimulation. It is, it is like what? the the buffet line of one flew over the cuckoo's nest. This is yeah. so. This is. This is the, yeah, the, the the reading comprehension is a little alarming here. <laughs> I didn't want I'm, to bring it up. But I think it's it is I think so it's, problematic. Yeah, maybe it's selectively edited, and this is just the worst of them. Yeah, know, like, maybe let's just yeah, yeah. let's. I'm gonna give these people the benefit of the doubt. Okay, here's another one. Or maybe they're tired. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Tired. Maybe of, the phone doesn't have good resolution, and they can't really read what's on there. This guy. It seems a little. Over the, this guy's over the looking over his glasses because he's got, I guess, like uh, like far-sighted glasses, and he's like yeah. looking over his glasses, and his head's reeled down in kind of like the Kubrick stare, looking at the phone because he can see it close to his face, and and sizing up the tweet, and he doesn't like it. Considering he's a man of principle and character, I would say maybe his ex-roommate, if that is his ex-roommate, possibly yeah. has some emotional problems. I don't know. Maybe he's of a different persuasion than Ted Cruz. Wow. <laughs> Ted Cruz, gay sex icon. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. It's just incredible. I mean, I think I know people like Ted Cruz. You know what I mean? Like, I, I call them, like, power nerds. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, like, he's, at his heart, he's truly a nerd, but... Like, you ever watch Revenge of the Nerds? Of course. Like, remember when, like, two of them kind of, like, become Republicans for, like, a little bit? <laughs> and then they forget their nerd roots. They become, like, frat guys. Yeah. It's like, that's, like, Ted Cruz, right? That is. That really like, is. But he just, but he never learns the lesson of who he is. He kind of just sticks with the thing. And a lot of people, you know, you know, it's been successful for him. I can't, it's weird because, you know, he is one of the top figures in the Republican Party. So I can't really be like, oh, but the alternate version of him is he's probably one of like the great, probably like trial lawyers of all time or something, right? Nine appearances at the Supreme Court. I mean, it's just fucking <laughs> yeah. so. He's like, he's like Clarence Darrow in another timeline. If he just, yeah. It, 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 yeah. <laughs> in a shitty episode of Sliders, he's like the guy. He's. <laughs> <laughs> he's like the greatest human rights lawyer in the world. You know, he's like it's UN like, ambassador or something. He's like to kill a mockingbird. <laughs> yeah, he's I mean, he's one of those people where I think he's like, even if you dislike him, he's he's talented enough at the things that he does to where it was like, yeah, man, it's like his dark timeline is just like you know, senator from Texas, you yeah, know, which is like a huge huge state huge come up. Huge. And yeah. speaking of his time as senator of Texas, he just he won't lose. Uh, COVID, you know, we, we had this huge pandemic and uh, people were locked in. One of the things that Texas has done is it has privatized their energy grid, which means that there's a lot of infrastructure issues that have happened. And when they got hit with storms uh, in, in 2020 uh, and, and 2021, it was bad. People lost power. Their 
power was turned off. Their bills were skyrocketing. It was an actual disaster in Texas. And if you listen to our Enron series, you can kind of see the seeds of that. And that's kind of like how Texas got this way. When you unregulate everything, you lose all those protections for folks. And yeah. people say a lot about what's happening in California and stuff like that, but it protects the people at the end of the day. Um, but Texas, they just let their people freeze. And one of the things that Ted Cruz did, though, is that he left during a crisis. <laughs> he fucking left, which is hysterical. It, what it do makes you do? me laugh. It makes me laugh so much. And maybe it's a testament to Cruz. Maybe it's a testament to like actually how bad the Democratic Party is in Texas, because this would have been the end of anybody else, except for maybe Donald Trump. Donald Trump would have gotten away with it. But like it is the funniest thing ever to be caught at the airport <laughs> during a time of crisis. I He's mean, to Cancun. <laughs> you know, was it? Uh, <laughs> I mean. Most, I mean, even like Bill de Blasio, when that when he was mayor, he would come out and like shovel the sidewalk and stuff like that. You know what I mean? Like doing yeah. like the bait, like very little goes a long way when there's a crisis. All you have to do is not leave to Cancun and you'll be fine. <laughs> and so I, you know, he explained it and I remember hearing about it and how he blamed his daughters basically. For yeah, why? It's like even more scumbag. He didn't even. Yeah, he didn't take account. So I found, I found the news clip. I found the press conference. This is the day he got back. Okay, to Texas, and him explaining what what happened. Yeah, um, obviously, there's a lot of upset folks. You said you always plan to come back the next day, which If you uh, hear the question the reporter's asking, it, it, you're saying uh, you said you always plan to come back the next day, which basically means Ted Cruz up and left with his wife and children and then always planned to board a plane that was tough to get to Cancun, Mexico. And then he was just going to come back the next day anyways. So this was all part of his plan. No, I, I didn't say that. We left yesterday. The plan had been to stay through the weekend <laughs> with the family. Um, that, Through the that, weekend. That was the plan. And, and, you know, I have to admit, it was – the last week's been tough on a lot of folks. Um, <laughs> we – when our power went out, we were initially we, – we, we had power longer than many. And, in fact, a lot of our girls' friends came over. We were hosting them for dinner, and they were at our house because we had power and no one else did. And then the power went out right as we were starting to sit down for dinner. By the way, the, the power went out right when we sat down for dinner. I mean, well, can we talk about a party foul. Talk about a real, real, real storm over your uh, over your good time. Uh, the first night we had a bit of a uh, what I would say a sleepover where we had kids huddled in in a fucking bags slumber party. And, he had a slumber party. Okay, and, let's and just he, be and he clear. tries to make it sound like it's like. Like a disaster event, like people yeah. were huddled. Like it's refugees. Like, no, you, no, no. Yeah. You no, were partying. Yeah, you had a great baller house. Yeah. <laughs> the kids were having a <laughs> great a, time. In a gated community. <laughs> and blankets and wrapped up. There we go. And, and no <laughs> blankets and, no... and wrapped up. Oh, the poor children. He's a man of, he's a man of the people. So everyone yeah. had flat flashlights. We had candles going. I, that's an experience Texans all across our state had. Um, 
we were by the by the second day we were clustered around the fireplace as the only source of of, of heat uh and and so huddled up in in jackets and and by the fireplace and and our girls when they got the news that school was canceled this week uh they said look why don't we why don't we take a trip let's 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 go somewhere where it's not so cold and and this fucking guy yeah it's the it's again it's the, the the trying to make himself the every man here when i mean i guess yeah it's just like I like how his kids speak so logically. It's so clumsy. As well. His kids are apparently like, "Hey, look, come on! Like, why don't we just go someplace a little warmer, like Cancun, Mexico?" And Heidi and I, this had been a tough week, and this has been a tough year for kids. It's all about kids the kids all across the state of Texas, and so we were trying to be good parents and said, "Okay, uh, we'll do it." And so we we booked the flight. You know, I have to to child friendly Cancun, Mexico. I started having second thoughts almost. <laughs> The moment I sat down on the plane, because on the one hand, all of us who are parents have a responsibility to take care of our kids, take care of our family. That's something Texans have been doing across the state. <laughs> but I also have a responsibility that I take very seriously of, of fighting for the state of Texas and, and, and frankly, leaving when so many Texans were hurting uh, didn't feel right. And so I, I changed my return flight and, and, and flew back. Now, uh, why first... did it not feel right? Do you think if he would have if if he'd have just gotten to like if he'd have cut out all that other stuff, yeah, and then gave that part part of the response like, "Hey, man, look, it's cold at the house." Took the girls, you know. I was like, "Let's get up out of here." But then I realized I had made a mistake, and then I decided to come back. Like that no. is so much more viable. But when it's like, you know, I'm suffering just like everybody else in Texas. Yeah, like, no, you no, you aren't. <laughs> God, Lordy available flight I could take. I couldn't take a morning flight because uh, the current restrictions require a COVID test. So I had to get a COVID test this morning before I could get on a flight back. So I took the first flight I could get a- after getting the COVID test. God, and, and This is fucking guy. So that was Ted Cruz in the Cancun episode. This is the man, this is the man we're talking about here. He's He's been cold and calculated since he was a teenager. He has been trying to be this guy forever and he to his credit has succeeded yeah. i mean he he kobe'd this thing very well his life is very much a product of his own motivation and his own creation and frankly next week we're going to talk more about the supreme court case that has now enabled more of the floodgates of money and dark money and corrupt money to flow, to pour into campaigns and politics. Those tubes are not transparent, by the way. <laughs> not transparent <laughs> tubes. They're dark, dark tubes. All right, everyone. Uh, big thanks to, uh, you know, the Top Hat guys again for being with us. We'll bring you the Lawrence Lessig interview next week. We just had too much to cover this week. Uh, I'm Cena Gazzavi at Cena Now, Justin Williams at Justin underscore Williams underscore comedy. Make sure to hit us up on our Discord. You could find the link in our bio on all of our social. Send us an email at fraudstersLPN or at fraudstersLPN on all of our social media as well. And this episode was produced by Carrie Budge. Uh, it was edited by our man Carlos. And we are so excited to bring you this interview next week. And as always, this has been a production of Zero Cool and The Last Podcast Network.
At Amica Insurance, we know it's more than a life policy. It's about the promise and the responsibility that comes with being a new parent, being there day and night, and building a plan for tomorrow, today. For the ones you'll always look out for, trust Amica Life Insurance. Amica, empathy is our best policy. Emmy Award-winning John Mulaney presents Everybody's in L.A., a special run of six live episodes created by and starring Mulaney that'll stream live on Netflix during the Netflix is a Joke Fest. The comically unconventional show will feature special guests where John Mulaney explores the city of Los Angeles during a week when every funny person is in it. Watch John Mulaney Presents Everybody's in L.A., debuting May 3rd live at 7 p.m. Pacific Time, only on Netflix.